Today I want to talk to you, uh, continue our series on Healthy Church. And uh, we, we've talked for, I think this is the ninth message in the series. And, and today I want to begin by asking the question, have you ever had a time in your life, and I think, the, I think I already know the answer, but have you ever had a time in your life when you needed some encouragement? Anybody? Like, you, thank, thank you for the honest people in the room. You needed somebody, quite, quite honestly, have you ever had this time in your life when you needed somebody to come alongside of you and just offer a word of encouragement? Someone just to come alongside and maybe, maybe encourage you to edify you or to admonish you. Or, sometimes, you know what, encouragement comes through correction. There have been times in my life where my wife has had to correct me. Go figure, right? All the, all the ladies in here are like, that happens on a daily occurrence. This is what we need. We need encouragement. And so today I want to talk to you on the subject that healthy churches actually cultivate encouragement. In fact, it's been said that encouragement is like oxygen in the life of the church. It keeps hearts beating, minds clear, and hands inspired to serve. And folks, because encouragement is so important, God doesn't merely recommend encouragement. He explicitly in his word, listen, he explicitly commands it. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Travis read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but uh, one chapter earlier, after sharing God's truth and promises about the dead in Christ, those who are alive and remain, and, and the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Paul concludes in verse number 18 by saying this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so he tells them a truth, tells them a promise, and then he says, Comfort one another with these words. In our text this morning that Travis actually read, in verse number 11, we find, if you guys will show verse number 11, we find the words here. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. This idea of continually doing this. And the word comfort is the word parakaleo. That's a, that's a mouthful in and of itself. It's the word parakaleo in the Greek. And it actually means this. It means to call near, to invite, or to call for, or to be of good courage, or comfort, excuse me, or to exhort, i.e., in the main definition, encourage. The word comfort means to encourage. And what's really neat is the word edify, which if we're not careful, we just gloss over it and say, man, we're to admonish one another, we're to edify. Well, the word edify is the oikodomeo, which is more than a mouthful, and it means this, it means to be a house builder. It means to build a house builder. How are we going to build a house if we don't encourage one another. It goes on, it says, to be a house builder, to construct, to confirm, or to embolden. And then, oddly enough, the very last word in its definition, encourage. So what we see here is, wherefore, encourage yourselves together and encourage one another, even as also you do the idea of encouragement. Whether we're building the house, whether we're, whether we're admonishing somebody, whether we're reproving somebody, we're trying to correct somebody biblically. By the way, I would encourage you, don't go out and try and correct somebody in your own wisdom, right? If you're going to correct somebody, do it in a loving way, but do it according to God's word, right? Uh, Last time I checked, nobody left me in charge uh, of correcting everybody, right? 
That's God's job. Let the Lord have his will and his way. In fact, Romans 14, 19 says this. It says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. Ephesians 4, 29, I always tell couples this, man, if you're having a fight with your husband, you're having a fight with your wife, man, I, I want to encourage you to remember Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Right? I love that song. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful, little tongue, what you say, because the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. And I can tell you, it's very hard to encourage one another when we're not using this gift, this tool <laughs> that God has given us in the right way. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 13, you found that in your bulletin this morning. The Bible there tells us that we are to exhort one another daily. And the reason it speaks about doing it daily is so that you and I don't actually become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, although encouragement is a command, when it comes to actually exercising and practicing the responsibility of encouragement, I'm just going to go out on a limb because I'm right there with you. Many of us tend to struggle, don't we? We struggle with encouraging one another. Thank you, Linda. The only other one that struggles with encouragement is Linda and I, right? <laughs> Guess what? I'm covered with the same stuff. We're covered with this, this stuff called flesh. And you know, the Bible talks about in Galatians chapter 5, the flesh wars against the spirit. They're contrary one to another. Also, Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7. He said, the things that I know that I should do, those are the things that I don't do. And the things that I know that I shouldn't do are the things that I should stay away from. Those are the things that I always find myself doing. It's a problem. And so this idea of encouragement is tough for each and every one of us. But folks, I can tell you, encouragement today in 2018 is super needful. By the way, that's the coolest way I could say it, young people. It's super needful encouragement. Because if you haven't looked around lately, if you haven't turned on the radio lately, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world where sin steals our joy and selfishness seems to dominate our everyday thoughts, our everyday words, and our everyday actions. That's why it's so important that we be careful. What we say, be careful what we do, be careful where we go, be careful what we see, be careful what we hear. Because the Father up above is looking down in love. Quite honestly, it saddens me. It really does. I'll be honest. Some of you say, hey, have you taken a Facebook vacation? You know, you ever, you ever see those posts like, uh, friends, I'm, I'm alerting you to the fact that I'm taking a Facebook vacation. No, I don't take a Facebook vacation, but I will tell you this. Many times, I literally, Crystal will tell you, I check that thing late at night, right? And, and I probably ought not to do it late at night because that's the last thing sometimes I see. And then I pray. Because it saddens me. It really does, folks. It saddens me to see so many Christians that are involved and engaged in everything under the sun except for exercising the God-given ministry of encouragement. If somebody is not living, uh, how, how we should say, uh, in, in, uh, as a Christ follower, they're not imitating Christ in their life, I can tell you the way to get them to do it is not to beat them down. 
How about encouraging one another? How about lifting up one another? How about building up one another? Remember, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth on Facebook, on, on whatever else, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, which will disappear in two seconds. Um, yeah, don't go to Snapchat to be an encouragement because it actually disappears, doesn't it, right? Man, you want, if you're going to go out there and you're using your thumb to communicate the message that's coming out of your heart, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In this case, out of the abundance of the heart, the thumb texts. If you're going to do that, why not remember what Scripture says? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. It's not my job. It's not your job to beat somebody down. As Christ followers, our job should be to lift people up. In his article on encouraging one another, pastor, a guy by the name of uh, Garrett Kell, he's actually right up here in Alexandria, Virginia. He suggested that when we fail to cultivate encouragement, that people feel unloved, they feel unimportant, they feel useless, and oftentimes they feel forgotten. But folks, I want you to know it was not that way with Jesus. Jesus was and is concerned with encouragement. In fact, after warning his disciples about the troubles that would come their way, he offered much need encouragement when at the end of John chapter 16, in verse number 33, he said these words, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He says, let me encourage you guys. The world's going to come after you. In fact, at the beginning of verse 16, he says, They will kill you and think they did the world a favor. And then at the end of verse uh, chapter 16, he says, hey, at the end, he says, listen, you're going to have tribulation. He says, but I want to encourage you because I've overcome the world. And we know rest from Scripture, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but sometimes I look on social media and it seems as though we're beating each other the heck up. Why are we fighting with one another? Our battle is against spiritual wickednesses in high places. Oh, we need to encourage one another. It's so needful. John chapter 14, the very night before his crucifixion, Jesus told the disciples, he says, hey guys, I want you to know, and they were, they were like confused. He says, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you right there uh, unto myself. There where I am, there you may be also. And he's, he's telling them about his, his soon departure. Literally, we're talking about the night before his crucifixion. Jesus was concerned about his closest followers. How do I know that? Because in verse 16, 17, and 18, he talks about the fact that he's going to leave them a comforter, right? The Bible says this. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice the word another. Remember, he's been walking and talking and guiding these disciples along the way. And now Jesus says, hey, I know I'm leaving, but the Father, I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede on your behalf. And I'm going to pray that God will send you another comforter. Notice verse 16 again, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He tells them, guys, don't worry about it. 
I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to ask God to send you another comforter. And here's the really cool part for you and I today. That same Holy Spirit that Jesus told his disciples that he was going to pray and ask the Father to send to them, guess where he resides today inside of me? He's right here. It's the same comforter. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's not a different Holy Spirit. It's not a Holy Spirit for the people of the United States. It's not a different Holy Spirit for the people in Europe or Africa or Asia. It's the same Holy Spirit because there is only one Holy Spirit of God. And so it just goes to encourage my heart that Jesus was concerned with encouragement. Listen, here's great news. Here's great news. Aside from the presence of the Holy Spirit, God has assembled you and I together for the purpose of encouragement. You say, where do you get that? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. You see, the Christian life is never to be lived in isolation. It's a life of relationship. The Christian life is a life of relationship. You want to know why people fall by the wayside and they're not worshiping God, they're not serving God? It's because when they face a mountain, they, they, they face some strife, some struggle, some sinfulness, some selfishness, whatever it is. I mean, we can go on and on. It doesn't matter what the thing is, but when we go through something that is discouraging or, or causes us pain, right? Here's what we typically do, right? We back away from everybody that loves us. We back away from the children of God. We back away from God's family. And we want to isolate ourselves. But guess what? The Christian life has never been a life about isolation. It's always been about relationship. Number one, relationship with God, right? And number two, with one another. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 24. The writer of Hebrews says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I want you to notice the word exhorting. You want to know what word it is? It's the word parakaleo. It's the word parakaleo, but exhorting one another. That means, what it means is to call near, right? To encourage one another. This is what God is telling us in his word. Oh, we need to slow down. We need to slow down and take time to consider one another. Because here's the facts, folks. We are all human and all have like passions and infirmities. And we're all partakers of the same grace. There's not grace for you and grace for me. It's all the same amazing grace of God that we're the partakers of, right? We are all loved by the same God with the same love. We're all redeemed by the same blood of Jesus. We're all headed for the same heaven. Oh, no. Oh, me, oh, my. We're all headed for the same heaven. Um, you think there's a different section for this group or this group? No, there's going to be one heaven, right? Well, I'm looking, about, I'm looking for my mansion. You know what? Here's what I think. Whether you have a version of scripture that says many mansions or many rooms or little rooms or little, little abiding places or whatever. I per, personally, I prefer many mansions. But uh, <clears throat> can I tell you something? This is really right from the bottom of my heart. I don't think I'm going to be concerned about a mansion when I see Jesus. I don't care if I got a cot. I don't care if I got an air mattress. Right? I don't think, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm not worried about, you know, a lot of people say, well, well what am I going to get out of it? 
what, what do you mean what are you going to get out of it? You get to live forever with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. What do you get out of it? Well, I'm looking for them streets of gold and I'm looking for... No, you need to be looking for Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Man, that's what we're going to get out of it. I'm not really... I, listen, I love my funny little honey, but if she doesn't recognize me in eternity, oh well. Oh, we need to encourage one another. Listen, look at verse 25, this word parakaleo, to call near, to invite, to call for, to be of good comfort, to exhort or encourage. All of us, all of us, all of us need encouragement. It's the greatest need. In fact, I said it in our Sunday school time this morning, or Bible study, whatever you want to call it, small group, Sunday school. We just get together to look at what God has to say, right? I said in our Sunday school time this morning, that the greatest need of a man is affirmation and encouragement. I need my wife to be behind me to say, even though you don't think you can do it, you can do it. I want to encourage you, keep moving forward, keep going forward, which was the message last week, right? Keep moving forward. That's what she does for me. When I don't even think I can get up on my own, she gets me up, she pushes me, she encourages me. When I think I've done a terrible job, and even if I have done a terrible job, she still encourages me because she knows that I need it. We all need encouragement. Pastor and teacher Charles Stanley, he suggests this. He says, godly fellowship and encouragement can help to protect us from falling prey to the deceptions of the devil. And he's absolutely right. Because that dirty, rotten devil, you know, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He actually loves it when you and I get discouraged. If he could, he would keep you and I living in the land of disappointment, the land of discouragement, the land of despair, and the land of depression. But folks, when we have faithful friends, when we have faithful, and may, might I add, spiritual and faithful friends to stand with us, to comfort us, to support us, and to be patient with us, I can assure you that the power of encouragement is going to be felt. And I can also tell you, it's real easy to be a discouragement, isn't it? I can, I can discourage people real quick with my poor attitude with my poor choice of words. I can discourage people with my negative thoughts. See, you go in the workplace and you're already, you know, you're already upset and angry. You haven't even gotten, probably because you hadn't had your first cup of coffee or whatever, you're already upset. Listen, that's discouragement. Try going in the workplace and encouraging people. They might think something crazy happened to you. They'll be like, what happened to this guy? He's usually horrific to deal with, especially on Mondays. What happened to him? Jesus. Jesus. Let's be an encouragement one to another. Listen, it's, it's easy to be a discouragement, but it's going to take real effort. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, remember, in Hebrews 3.13, he says uh, the idea of encouraging one another daily means we need to be doing it every single day day individually and corporately so how do we cultivate encouragement i'm going to give you a few things and we're going to rip right through it this is not an exhaustive list but this is uh, some things that i think that you and i can do to be an encouragement if you're a note taker here they are one we will cultivate encouragement in our lives and in our church when we admonish one another 
when we admonish. That's a big word. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 and following, For all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be truly furnished unto all good works, truly or completely furnished. Listen, let's, let's, if we're going to be an encouragement to somebody, we have to admonish one another, but all I say is let God's word be our guide. Quit trying, to, quit trying to give somebody some mumbo-jumbo you read on Pinterest and give them God's word, right? Give them what God says. God can do a better job of encouraging us than we can. Listen, we need to know God's word if we're going to use God's word. That's what 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about, you know, uh, that we would study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to know God's word if you're going to share God's word. But we need to admonish one another. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you're going to communicate God's truth, do it in a way that's going to be helpful. You know, you can, you can, you can share God's way that is uh, not helpful. You say, hold on, God's word does what it... If you go out and you're angry with God's word, and you say, listen, Miss Francis, God says you're this, and you're this, and you're this, and you're this. I got news for you. She turned you off about two seconds into your little spiel. She didn't hear God's word because you brought it with the wrong attitude. Ephesians 4, 15 says that we're to speak the truth in love. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, Travis read that verse in our passage. And it says, now we exhort you, we encourage you, brethren. This is what Paul is saying. This is used as a counseling verse many times. And he says, we encourage you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Listen, we have to admonish one another. That person, that unruly person, you've heard me say it before. The unruly person is the person who doesn't want to hear what's right, doesn't care what's right, and isn't going to do what's right. The feeble-minded person isn't speaking of somebody who is 55 or older. The feeble-minded person is the person who knows what's right, but doesn't understand how to do it. And so the Bible says that we're to comfort that person. We're to come alongside, parakaleo. We're to come alongside, draw near, encourage them to do what's right, right? And so many times, by the way, we can encourage somebody, the feeble-minded person, if you please, from the scripture, to do right by setting the right type of example. And then the last one is support the weak. The idea of the weak person is the person who doesn't know what's right and can't understand what's right because it's almost like the idea of an infant, right? My children were not born, and, and when they were born, they didn't just start walking and feeding themselves. It took a little time, in some cases a lot of time, right? Right? They had to be supported. This is the idea we have to admonish one another. Next encouragement will be fostered by weeping and rejoicing with one another. How many friends have you had that have gone through something so horrific that you couldn't even deal with it yourself? But the Bible tells us, listen, in Romans chapter 12, verse 15 and 16, it says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Listen, we have to do these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and talking about the body of Christ and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or whether one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Listen, I think we would encourage people if we would just be real with people. When somebody's hurting, it's okay 
to get together with them and, and to let them weep, to have that moment. But it's also a time when you can encourage them, you can give them what God's word has to say. What do we give somebody when they're in the middle of discouragement? Most people could care less what I think about in the middle of their discouragement. What's going to help that person is what does God think about it? And so we want to weep and rejoice with one another. Encouragement is also developed, here's a big one, by forgiving one another. Uh-oh, by forgiving one another. I was looking in Scripture the other day and I found a sobering reminder. It's very sobering. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, guys, if you'll throw up Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, you know Jesus has given his disciples a, an example of how to pray. And then in verse 14 and following, he says this. It's like, thank you. Could, have, could we just have stopped right before this? He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But notice what he says in verse 15. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, a sobering reminder that we need to forgive one another. And quite honestly, that begins when we remember what I talked about last week, which is moving forward we got to quit holding on to the past. I mean, many times we live in the land of yesterday so long. Listen, I can't go back and do what I did when I was 32. It's done with. I can't go back and play what I did when I was 22 or 12 or 42, for crying out loud. I can only do what I can do today. You have to forgive one another. Ephesians 4. After I shared that verse about corrupt communication and not allowing it to proceed out of your mouth, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in verse 31 and 32, and he says these words, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. He's like, get rid of it. Get rid of it with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. In Colossians, he actually goes a step farther. He actually says in Colossians 3.13, he uses the word forbearing. Forbearing, that word actually means to put up with. <laughs> he says put up with one another. He says endure one another. That's what it means. If you go and look it up, it means to put up with one another. Have you ever had like a cousin or, an, or somebody in your family, you're just like, we just, just smile. It's like Thanksgiving dinner and you're like, we put up with this one, right? This is what Paul's telling the church at Colossus. He says, listen, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And then he says these words, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You want to encourage somebody? How about offering forgiveness? Oh, you want to know what to encourage somebody also? Is if you know you're wrong, how about going to that person and asking for forgiveness? Go to the person and say, you know what? I blew it. I blew it again. Little tongue said something. My heart was in the wrong place. Would you please forgive me? You know, those words go a long way. By the way, if you say you're sorry, most of the time that means I'm sorry that you didn't like what I said. I'm sorry that I got caught. I'm sorry that it didn't didn't tickle your ears the way I meant it. I was just sharing fact with you. By the way, guys, we're, 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 sometimes we're, we're the bearers of facts without feeling. But I got news for you. Women speak in feeling with fact. 
See, there's a difference. Most of the time we go through that barn door like, hey, I'm going to tell you like it is. Right? And she's like, great, I'm going to tell you like it is, mister. Right? And so we have to work on our communication skills. But I can tell you one way that will help is to offer forgiveness. Encouragement will also be promoted when we confess our faults or sins one to another. James, and I'm going to tie this one with my next thought, because in James chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. And then he says this, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so, like I said, I'm going to tie it with another way to encourage others, and that is to pray with and for one another. The Apostle Paul taught that church at Thessalonica two verses after our passage today to pray without ceasing. You know, Jesus actually wants us to expect answers when we pray. He, you know, a lot of people say, well, I pray, but nothing ever happens. Let me ask you a question. Do you pray expecting an answer? Do you pray in faith? Well, see, in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7 and 8, Jesus said this. He said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. James says you have not because you ask not. Right? And so we need to pray for one another. We need to pray with one another. Encouragement will also be developed. Here's a big one. By living in peace with one another. That'll never happen. Never going to happen till the, till the peacemaker comes back. Uh, you're, 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 you're like telling us something that's not possible. Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. In Psalm 34, 14, the Bible says, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. In Romans 12, verse 18, by the way, I'd encourage you to read all of Romans 12. Got some great stuff in there, especially beginning in verses number 9 and following. But in Romans 12, verse number 18, the Bible says, If it be possible, notice, if it be possible, comma, as much as lieth in you. Okay, stop right here. That's not, I'm not relying on my own strength. I'm relying on what's inside of me. Who's inside of me? Who takes up residency inside of me? The Holy Spirit. And we also have what is called the fruit of the Spirit inside of us. So don't tell me that you can't pursue peace. If you've got the Holy Spirit residing inside of you, oh, yes, you can pursue peace. Notice what it says. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace, the Apostle Paul says, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Ephesians 4, 3 teaches us that as believers, we should be endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Folks, God's Word provides us a little food for thought in regards to this idea as well. You say, well, I struggle. I, I don't even have peace in my home. I mean, I struggle to keep peace in my home. I struggle to keep peace in the office. I struggle to keep peace when I walk into a grocery store. If somebody looks at me crossways, I let them know what I think. I struggle to keep peace in school. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Because in Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 7, the Bible says this. When a man's ways please 
the Lord. Now let's just stop there for a second. When a man's ways please the Lord, what happens? He maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So, you say, I have no peace. My answer is, are your ways pleasing the Lord? Uh, Pastor, I can't even work on peace. Are your ways pleasing the Lord? Don't worry about peace. Let's start by worrying about pleasing the Lord. Here's another one, if that wasn't enough. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Hold on. How do we have peace? Whose mind is stayed on thee. You want to have peace in your relationship. You want to have peace with, with your neighbor. You want to have peace with your coworker. You want to have peace with your family. You want to have peace in school. Keep your mind stayed on Jesus. Keep your mind stayed on Jesus. Romans 8, 6 says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Are we spiritually minded? Are we pleasing the Lord? Is our mind focused on Jesus? Because see, if we really want to cultivate encouragement within our church, within our homes, within our individual lives, then living peaceably will become a priority. But it never, ever, ever should supersede the priority of Jesus Christ. See, if Jesus is first, oh, I believe you're going to start to feel and see some peace. And then finally, this morning, if we're going to cultivate encouragement, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll cultivate encouragement when we are dedicated to loving one another. When we're dedicated to loving one another. In fact, Romans chapter 12, that passage that I encourage you to read, beginning in verse number 9, the Bible says, Let love be without dissimulation. That word dissimulation means hypocrisy. It says, don't be a hypocrite with your love. Don't say you love somebody and then turn around and go and do something that is uh, totally opposite of that. It says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. And then verse number 10 says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, phileo, love, brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. In fact, let me read this to you. In 1 John, in 1 John chapter 7 and 8, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? Because God is love. If you tell me, hey, I can't love my neighbor, I've lost, you know, it's like this, I've lost that love and feeling, right? I, I can't love, right? There's a problem, folks, because you are not the generator of love. God himself is the generator of love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is the originator of love. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that. And we know that there's a wage for that sin. We know that is death, as the Bible says. But we also know about that love. It speaks of the gift of God. 
that is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so everywhere I look, I see God of love, God of mercy, God of grace, God of on and on. God of greatness. And he wants us to be a church that lives as an encouragement one to another. And so we must endeavor to do so. And somebody might say, hey, pastor, I get it, I get it, the message is encouragement. But why is the topic so important to you? Well, quite honestly, the reason it's important to me is because time is short. Time is short. The Bible talks about our life as a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. The Bible also talks about that it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. And I don't know about you, but when I get up there, I, I know I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I also want to hear my Savior say, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, well, you got in by the skin of your chinny-chin-chin. By the way, in Jesus, there is no skin of your chinny-chin-chin. Right? I want to hear, well done. I want to hear him say, I'm pleased. I'm pleased in the life that you led. I want to hear him say, thank you for encouraging people. Thank you for telling people about me. Thank you for loving your wife. Thank you for loving your children. Thank you for loving people enough to be willing to share the truth of the gospel with them. But to do it in love. I want to hear that. Oh, we have only this one life to live. The Bible teaches us that we ought to do our very best to please the Lord. I have this track up here. As a reminder, you say, well, I'm talking to the church today and talking about encouraging, cultivating encouragement within the church. But what do we do with unbelievers? Encourage them. Encourage them. How do we do that? This track, I changed it when I became the pastor and on the front it says got encouragement question mark we all need some and literally every verse that starts with blue on the center and on the back are nothing but verses of encouragement that's all it is is one encouraging verse after the next but when you open it up ultimate encouragement for an unbeliever would be Jesus. And so we not only admonish one another, those who are already in faith, but we can go out these doors and man, listen, I buy so many of these just for Sonny Stanley. Sonny keeps me out of these. You want to know why? I, I got an email today. He doesn't, or not today. I got an email on Thursday from somebody who said, hey, I found this in a bathroom in the Fairfax City building or something or other. I don't know if it was Brian or Sonny, but I'm sure somebody put it in there. It was the men's bathroom. The guy says, how amazing to think that that word of encouragement from Battlefield Baptist Church made its way all the way up right there in Fairfax, Virginia, waiting to try and encourage somebody. And I know some of you say, tracks are so old school. Uh... I don't adhere to everything on this statement that I'm going to make, but if it ain't broke, why fix it? Let's be an encouragement.
God, help us to encourage one another. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to, help us to love one another. Help us to do all these things so that you are pleased and so that you are honored. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.